That's exactly what we're going to talk about tonight, our daily bread. Hallelujah. Couldn't have sang a more perfect song. Amen. So if you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to get right into the Word of the Lord. We're going to be going to Exodus chapter 16. <coughs> Exodus, the 16th chapter. And I want to go back just briefly and look at chapter 15, because the last time that we gathered together, we talked about taking the tree, which is you and I, throwing it into the second stage of consciousness, which was the water. And as we throw ourselves into the second stage of consciousness, we found out that the bitter waters turn to sweet. The bitter waters being that which we thought was the truth, but was a lie all along. And so I'm not taking away from how I used to teach the bitter and the sweet water, because we used to teach that the tree was the cross, and it was thrown into the bitter water and turned into the sweet. Now, absolutely, that happened, and that's valid. But as a result, we are trees of righteousness. And as we throw ourselves completely and totally into that second stage, remember the Greeks embraced four basic stages of consciousness, which was the earth that represents the lower realm, the water, the air, and then the fire, and that constitutes the mind of Christ. Now, if you notice at the end, then, of verse 15, we talked about the fact, and let me just read the last verse. Verse 27 says, And they came to Elam, where were twelve wells of water, and threescore and ten palm trees. And notice it says, And they encamped there by the water. And that's the perfected truth. That was a place, remember, we talked about the fact that that was a place of, of perfected truth, a place of peace and rest. And I shared with you how that three score is 60, and then it talks about 10 palm trees, which is 70, and 7 plus 0 is 7. And 7 means divine intervention besides completion and perfection. And we talked about the fact that the 7 also represents the energy in our solar plexus, a divine intervention as the energy is released from the solar plexus, traveling up, journeying up the spine, and there, when it hits the base of the brain, it throws open the right hemisphere. It causes the pineal gland fluid, which is a white substance, to flow to the pituitary, which turns into a golden substance, and there we are experiencing the peace and the rest of the promised land, with the flowing of milk and honey. And that's what we talked about. Now, as we go into chapter 16 then, we find that they journeyed. They came to the place in 1527 where they were at peace and they were at rest. And someone might say, well, why would they want to journey on from there? Why not stay there? Well, you see, I've thought that many times over the years as well. Why not just stay with what I believe? Why not just stay in that which is familiar? I have peace here, but you know what? If we do not continually move, we're backing up. There's no standing still. If you stand still and want to just stay with what you're comfortable with and what you're familiar with, you're not going to just stay there, but you're literally going to back up. 
So what happened here was these children of Israel were in Egypt, the scripture tells us, for 400 long years. In other words, they were at the lowest part of those five levels of consciousness or four levels of consciousness. They were identifying with the earth realm. And then we know that they came through the Red Sea, and the Red Sea, we found out, represents the churning of the emotions. Now, remember when we talked about Abraham in this series, we talked about the fact that Abraham was called into the wilderness of sin, and the wilderness of sin was the moon god of the Ur of the Chaldeas, and the moon speaks of emotions. The moon speaks of emotions. And so that's what this wilderness can also represent, is a place where we're, you know, churning in our emotions rather than living through the mind of Christ and, and by the mind of Christ completely and totally. Our emotions get involved simply because we're looking at the appearance realm. And as we look at the appearance realm, we begin to feel all of these emotions churning on the inside of us. And that's the time that we realize we need to go to the wilderness of meditation. Because you see, the emotions, when they're all churning, when they're all hyped up, it will bring us into confusion of the left side. And I forgot to bring, Pat, would you bring me my chart? I forgot to bring the chart. When our emotions are all churning, we enter into confusion, and the confusion simply represents the fact that we are living out of the left side. Thank you, dear. Living from the left side. And the left side can only bring more churning of emotions. The left side was what caused the children of Israel. See, it wasn't the bitter waters. You know, you know the story goes that, well, they were thirsty. The first stop when they came into the wilderness was the bitter waters of Merah. Merah means bitter. And it represents the fact that they were thirsty, but when they came to the waters of Merah, they couldn't drink because it was bitter. Well, we can stop with the historicity of that and just make it a, a nice little clean, tidy little Bible story. But what do we get out of that? Until we can make the application, until we can really see that it didn't just happen back then thousands of years ago, but it is happening within you and I today. Now, we're in the book of Exodus, and, and the word Exodus means to move out from one realm into another realm. In other words, it means to go from that lower realm of the earth, and of course our bodies represent earth as well, but so does our, our awareness and our mind from the left hemisphere. It means to exit, or Exodus means to journey from the earth realm to the water, remember we talked about the baptism of the mind, not just baptism of water or baptism of spirit, but the baptism of the mind, that's the true and the real baptism. And so to journey, to exit means that we go from the earth realm to the water, to the air, to the fire, which constitutes the mind of Christ. Now, what we're going to talk about tonight is this manna that people teach as falling from the sky. I've never seen manna fall from the sky. Hello, are you here? Yes. I've never seen manna fall from the sky. And all of a sudden, here comes this rye and wheat and pumpernickel. And I can just take my choice, whatever type of If I have a gluten allergy, I can just pick the one I want. And that's the way it has been taught so carnally. Now, am I saying that that didn't happen? I'm not saying it didn't happen. Personally, I don't care whether it happened or didn't happen. What I care about is, is it happening today? Are we experiencing this bread from, not the sky, from heaven? Are we experiencing... 
raising the bread from heaven. Now let's read here in Exodus chapter 16, beginning with verse 1. Because you see, bread is coming out of heaven. And listen, as and here's the whole crux of the, uh, of the message tonight. As this bread comes out of heaven, something takes place over here. See, the bread of heaven comes out of the right side, the east, the dawning of the new day. And as that happens, something takes place over here. And that is associated with the quail. They had the bread of heaven in the morning, but they had the quail in the evening. They ate the quail. Now, I'm going to keep you in suspense. I'm not going to tell you about the quail. I'm just simply going to say that when the bread comes out of the realm of heaven or the garden of Eden, when it comes from the right side, then this is going to take care of itself automatically. Now, there is something that we do, but again, let me just qualify this because, you know, I read a post this week on Facebook, and I answered to it and made a comment, and they were talking about dying to self and crucifying the flesh. Well, you don't have to die to self. What do you want to, you want to die to your Christ self? And you don't have to crucify the flesh. There is no crucifixion of the flesh. But what we do is we take the death of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, and we apply that, you see, that he crucified all of those false ideas, sin, mistaken identity. He crucified all of that which would come out as, you know, our behavior where sin's pearl is concerned. So what do we do? We apply what he did to this left side. We don't try to crucify this. Now, we know that Mount Calvary, we know that uh, Golgotha means the skull. But we apply what Jesus did to the skull. We apply that to our skull, what he already did. So it's not a crucifying the flesh. It's not a, a dying to self, as we've been taught in the past. It is really just an automatic thing that happens when the bread comes out of heaven. It automatically takes place. Now, I believe there's something we do, not a man into the flesh, but by the power of the Spirit. We're enabled to do what we do because of what Jesus did. See? Because his death exposed the false ideas and the false concepts. His, his death exposed who we thought we were, the bitter water. And his resurrection revealed the truth to us and brought forth this bread that we're going to talk about. So let's read here in Exodus 16, verse 1. And they took their journey. Remember, they were from Elam. In chapter 15, verse 27, they were at rest. They were at peace. They were experiencing, you know, the seven, the divine intervention of the energy coming from the solar plexus, coming out of the spine. And, you know, I found something out this week that I, I didn't really realize. Someone called me on the phone and wanted to know uh, a little bit about serpent and different things. And, and so I was explaining this to them. And, and I read something that I did not understand. And, and remember the, the rod or the pole when you see the caduceus when you go into the doctor's office or the chiropractor's office. Do you know there were two serpents? One was male, one was female. Amen. It wasn't just one. When you look at it, it just kind of looks like one, you know, from a distance. But it was two serpents that were going up the pole or up the spine. In other words, it involves both male and female. Hello? The Christ mind and us in our oneness in him. So notice, and they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month, after their departing out of the land of Egypt. So again, they were involved in their emotional left side, 
and they were in the place of peace and rest, and the emotional left side began to be swallowed up, you see, in chapter 15, verse 27. But you see, they didn't want to stay there. They had a desire to journey on. And, and as I said earlier, you know, we need to, there, there needs to be something introduced into the body of Christ that will not cause them, even though they're experiencing rest and peace and a measure of this, you know, energy flowing up the spine, even though they're experiencing a measure that we still need to never stop journeying. We need to keep moving. Because as I said, if you stop still in what you used to believe, you're going to go backwards. And we have seen that happen to a host of people on the left hand and on the right hand. Now, notice what it goes on to say. And let me just say, what happens to us many times when we're experiencing that peace, you don't go any more than about one or two days experiencing that peace and rest, and all of a sudden you're ambushed by some ice. Yeah. Or by something someone said or did to you, or by an appearance round thing that pops up, you see. So, so you're not going to have peace for very long, folks. But you know what? You can trip the left side, and you come right back into that peace. Come right back in. Now, look at verse 2. As a result of their emotions here in verse 1, because notice it talks about they came into the wilderness of sin. What does that represent? It has to do with the moon god, or the Chaldees, that we talked about when we did our teaching on Abraham. And so they came here in chapter 16 and verse 1. They came to a place where their emotions on the left side was ruling. They had peace in Elam. And as, as soon as they start journeying, they get attacked by the realm of the emotions and the left side. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Yeah. Yeah. So verse 2 says, because they were in that emotional realm from the left side, verse 2 says, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured. Now they murmured in chapter 15 too. We talked about that, remember? Back in chapter 15 as well, they murmured. But listen, because they came into this realm of the emotions, because they got caught up in the left hemisphere over here, and what that represents, they began to murmur against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. So in other words, we will begin to murmur when we get caught up in our emotions. Well, yes, God, you know, what she's teaching doesn't work for me. I tried it for one whole second two weeks ago, and it didn't do a thing for me. So baloney for that crap. <laughs> Any of you ever done that? Well, this didn't work for me. This ain't working for me. We're murmuring. Murmuring. Now, I know none of you do that. I do that from time to time. When I get caught up in my emotions and on the left side, the first thing I do is, you know, I'll start griping and complaining and murmuring. You know, why this, why that, why the other, you see. What was happening? I was ambushed by an appearance which evoked my emotions, which caused confusion and made me think, hey, I'm not experiencing a thing here. Why waste my time on this? But let me tell you, you may have a microscopic cancer in your body and go into five seconds of meditation, especially at night, and the melatonin can flow and eradicate that cancer and reverse the aging process, open up the left hemisphere, cause the chrism to flow in the brain, 
cause all kind of medicinal things to happen within your physical body. And listen, you won't even feel it. You won't know it. You don't have to feel it. You don't have to know it in some, you know, sense of knowing in the outer realm. But you know what? When you know this truth, you know that you know that you know that you know that if I spent, if I just, if there is a appearance realm looming up before me, and if I just stop for one second instead of reacting, yeah. and just respond with silence, as Candy said tonight, all it takes is a few seconds to acknowledge. That's what I call spontaneous meditation. The moment it happens, instead of reacting, stop, put the shut to the hip, hush, and just turn within. And begin to see and view that particular situation with a single eye. Now, verse 3. Look what they said as they murmured. Their emotions were ruling. The left side was ruling here. Carnality was ruling. Confusion was ruling. And the children of Israel said unto them, unto Moses and Aaron, would to God we had died in the hand, by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full, for ye have brought, listen to this, ye have brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. We're going to starve to death out here, Moses. Murmuring, complaining. Why? Because it appeared, something appeared a certain way, on the surface level, and so they start their bickering and their complaining, and, and you know, they bickered and complained for the whole 40 years. Yeah. And you know, scripture tells us they could have made it to the promised land in 11 days, and it took them 40 long years, and they bitched and bickered and complained the whole journey. The whole time they bickered and complained. All the way. Now, there's two things that we need to look at here. Last message, we looked at the bitter water, how that when we throw ourselves into that second level of consciousness, the water, the bitter waters then are turned into the sweet waters. As we throw ourselves into that water, we will be cleansed from the bitter water or that which we thought was the truth but was really the religious lie. So now what we're going to look at, as we look at this in Exodus chapter 16, we're going to look at the air here. And what the air represents, and remember Moses' name means to draw out, see, to draw out of the water, because he was drawn out of the water. At three months, he was placed in, in that water, the Nile River, and he was drawn out of the water. And that represents us being drawn out from the earth up to the water, which is the washing of the water of the word. And then we're brought up to the air. Now, this one we're going to deal with tonight has to do with the air. The air represents a number of things. It represents taking no thought, like the child. Remember, we talked a lot about the child. The child takes no thought. That's why that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus likened unto a child. A child shall rule. A child shall govern, the scripture says in, in the book of Isaiah. And so this air represents us coming to that place where we take no thought when we're ambushed on the left hand and the right hand. We take no thought. We pay no mind to it. We realize it's a no thing, as Isaiah said, and it's less than nothing, and we take no thought. We come up into the realm of the air, if you will. And we'll talk about other meanings of the air as well. Now, look at verse 4. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. 
Two things we need to understand. This is number one. I will rain bread from heaven for you. Now, what is bread? If you study in the New Testament, you'll find that bread is the truth. Jesus is depicted as the, the bread of life. So bread is, is truth. But now for us, where is this bread coming from? Someone says, well, for them it came from the sky. Well, maybe it came from the sky, but that does us absolutely no good whatsoever. Where does the bread for us come from? It comes from heaven. It comes from within. Now, what is heaven? Most people think heaven is 50 million light years away where God is seated on a throne and Jesus is seated on a little smaller throne to the right of the Father and all of that. Well, no, heaven is the realm of spirit, including the spirit in you and I. Heaven is God's kingdom. In Luke chapter 17 and many other scriptures, it says, the kingdom of heaven comes not with observation, but the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is within you. It says the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, either one, is righteousness, peace, and joy. It's not meat nor drink. It's not what you do or don't do. It is righteousness, peace, and joy. And righteousness and peace and joy is within us. So that's the first thing we have to establish. We're going to talk about this bread coming from heaven. Where is heaven? Heaven is in us. Heaven is the realm of spirit, including the spirit in us. And it says here in verse 4, I will rain down, look at it, bread from heaven. In other words, I am going to bring forth truth from the higher realm. From the right side or from the, the higher realm. See, medical science tells us today, and science as a whole, that we only use 10% of our brain. That's what they say. We only use 10% of our brain. What is it talking about? It's talking about living out of judging things by the seeing of the eye and the hearing of the ear. You see. But we can use 90%. Now, let me just say this, and we've established this before, but it bears repeating, and especially for those watching live tonight. They may have not heard us say this. The mind is not the same as the brain. You have a brain, a physical brain, in your head. But that's not the mind. The mind is deeper than that. Your mind is the mind of Christ. But now listen, the brain is utilized. Because if you didn't have a brain, let me tell you, there's not a whole lot you can do. But you have to go deeper than the physical brain. And you have to realize that this right hemisphere points to, symbolically represents the mind of Christ. Now what happens is that when you live out of the mind of Christ, you're going to utilize, and it's going to affect your brain, you're going to utilize that 90% that you don't use. Now I believe we're tapping in more to the 90%. But I believe eventually we will use, as the two become one, as the left hemisphere isn't in the driver's seat, but as the mind of Christ is in the driver's seat, and the left hemisphere is in the back seat, we will then utilize 100%, we'll use 100% of our brain that is geared, if I can say, or governed by the mind of Christ. So this is where the bread comes from. It comes from heaven. He is raining down, because we're one in him, so he, as us, is raining down from the right hemisphere, the mind of Christ, bread from heaven. Yeah. 
Where is heaven? Heaven is the realm of spirit, including the spirit in us. Heaven is where God is. Heaven is where Christ is. Heaven is the kingdom of God. Heaven is the kingdom of heaven. Heaven is connected with a little child. Heaven is that which we're one with. You are seated, the scripture says in Ephesians and in other places. We are seated in the heavenlies right now. Not trying to get there. We are there. You know, I like Bruce Lipton. Uh, we were listening to his uh, video the other night. And he says, and, and this was a scientist and a biologist that one day just got, just got blown away by the presence of the Lord. And God began to reveal things to him. And he left one university after another because they wouldn't receive what he was saying. And he says that all matter is spirit. And I heard a guy, I think, yesterday say, not only is all matter spirit, but it's light. All matter is light, frozen light. So maybe your seat is cold tonight. I don't know. But, but all matter is, is frozen light. I don't even remember who it was that said that or wrote that or something. I don't know. But anyhow, back to what Bruce Lipton said. Bruce Lipton said that we, when we were born and brought forth from our mother's womb, we were brought forth in heaven. And see, people say that this earth is anything else but heaven. But this earth belongs to the Lord. This earth and that earth belongs to the Lord. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And that's why it's so important for us to see the earth from the heavenly perspective. Now, I lost my place. Where I was? Oh, number, that was number one. See, that heaven... That the bread comes from heaven. Now, number two, this is what we need to see. Second point. Look at verse four again. It says, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather, listen to this, a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Now, notice the two words, and this is very important, certain rate. What is the certain rate? I'll rain bread from heaven for you, and the people, the people, shall go out and gather a certain way, a certain rate. In other words, what that is saying is it's not going to happen overnight. Right. It is a persistent, gradual awakening that takes place within you and I. And so the certain rate is telling us that this is not going to just hit you. And all of a sudden, see, even Moses had to grow in wisdom and stature. Even Jesus had to grow in wisdom and stature. So this certain rain has to do with this awakening is, is a gradual thing. How many of you in the morning when you wake up are just, bam, you're awake like that, and you just roll out of bed, and away you go? Well, maybe you do, but I don't. I'm finding out I'm sleeping tighter and deeper than I've ever slept, and I know it has to do with what's going on here. And I get up, and I don't get up much during the night to go potty, but when I do, I tell you what, I'm almost bumping into walls and everything because I'm in a, such a deep sleep. And then when I wake up in the morning, it seems like it's taking longer for me to wake up. I have to lay there a little bit and, and kind of get my bearings consciously and, and realize, yeah, I'm in my home. This is where I'm at. It's okay to get up and do what you got to do. You see. So in other words, what this is saying to a certain rate is you don't wake up instantaneously and you're awake. But this awakening is round to round, glory to glory, right? It takes a little time for us to awaken. Now, I want you to hang on to Exodus 16, and I want you to go to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 1. 
And I know we've read this before, but I want to connect it with this certain rate of verse 4 of Exodus chapter 16. Now, I gave you the scripture a long time ago in 1 Kings, I think it's 6 8, where it talks about uh, the winding stairway and so forth. And I shared with you how that's talking about. You know, the energy from the solar plexus that begins to rise up. You know, the seven energy fields comes to the base of the brain and it, uh, you know, explodes the seeds really in the uh, pineal and brings forth new life. And there's a whole lot of, you know, things that we could say about that. And listen, there's more and more scientific information coming out about this. A whole lot more is beginning to be uh, revealed about all the things that the pineal gland uh, does for us. But now look what it says here. I want to connect Revelation 5.1 with a certain rate of verse 4 of Exodus 16. It says, and I saw in the, notice, right hand, not the left, in the right hand of him that sat on the throne. What is the throne? The higher consciousness. A book written where? Within. And notice the book is in the right hand. This is your book of life right here. Heaven. That's your book of life right there. Notice, and on the back side, sealed with seven seals. Now, that's very important because, go back now to verse 4 of Exodus 16, because this is so vitally important here, because what is this? This is talking about the energy that moves up. It moves up gradually. Just as you and I awaken gradually, to that degree, the energy moves up gradually. You know, I shared with you before how the, you know, many of us in the past, in grace and finished work even, even when we understood, you know, grace and finished work, you know, we still were in one way or another, we were separating spirit from body. See, but what happens in spirit happens in body. You may not feel it or know it, but it has to. It has to. And we have, even though we didn't say, well, you know, in the sweet by and by, you're, you're going to experience, you know, uh, a change in the body or this or that, or after the rapture. We didn't teach it that way, but you know what? We still separate the spirit from body. And I shared with you many times that after ministering, hundreds of times after ministering the word of God, sometimes I could see oil all over my hands. And I felt in the energy. Sometimes I go home and I couldn't even sleep. A lot of times when I go home from ministering this word, it's 2 o'clock in the morning before I get to sleep because I'm so jacked up, you see. And energy is flowing, and I, and I sense that and feel that, but you don't always feel it. So, so the certain rate is also not only our awakening here in Exodus 16.4, the certain rate is also com in comparison to, to the awakening to that degree the energy begins to flow up. And it goes from the first, the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, and finally to the seventh, and then something really begins to take place in the seventh, in that energy field. Now, look, if you will, at uh, Exodus 16 and verse 5. But I just wanted to show you that certain rate. So number one, bread is coming from heaven. Heaven is in us. Number two, it doesn't happen overnight. Those are two vitally important facts for us to understand. Heaven is the realm of spirit. Heaven is the kingdom of God. This is where the bread comes from. See? This is where the meat comes from. This is where the bread comes from. Now look what it says here in verse 5. And it shall come to pass on the sixth day. You know, and this is why I was telling Candy this on the way down here. You know, 
Did it really come from the sky? For these people? Because, you know, it's kind of confusing, and, and I don't know that I'll get through this chapter because there's so much allegorical stuff here. If you're going to read this in a literal sense, you know, one place it sounds like it came from the sky, another place they had to go out in the ground and they had to pick it up, and then they had to prepare it. So why is it saying one thing and then it sounds like they're contradicting themselves in another verse? Because it has to be read allegorically. That's why. So look at verse 5, and it shall come to pass that on the sixth day they shall prepare that which they bring in. Now listen to this. And it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. In other words, in other words, we move through the first, the second, the third, the energy does, the fourth, the fifth, listen, the sixth, and then there is twice as much energy... And there has to be twice as much energy exploding in the pineal to explode the seeds to cause the oil to flow from the pineal to the pituitary, if I can talk, but the pituitary, and, and open that left, right hemisphere. I'll get it out in a minute here. There has to be twice as much. See, and, and listen, six times two is 12. What is 12? Completion, perfection. Divine intervention, along with seven, it's the same thing. So you see, the twice of six, which is 12, is where we take the bread from the higher consciousness or the right side and partake of that bread. But it is a gradual thing that begins to happen. And once it gets up to the sixth energy field, there's twice as much because a greater work is taking place. So another, in other words, you see, the bread or the wisdom or the understanding comes from within you when you are in the wilderness, and maybe the emotions are churning, but if they are churning, and if there are challenges, and if there are appearance around things, and if there are ites, and if there are ambushes, that is to cause you to realize you need to go to the mountain of meditation or the wilderness of meditation. And you need to look up, and as you look up, the energy is going to flow up. Amen. But there's a doubling, as it says here, because it has to explode the seeds in the pineal that flow to the pituitary and do all of this work. Now, what am I doing? All I'm doing is explaining the scientific working in your body and in my body of what takes place when we awaken spiritually. When we wake up spiritually, something has to simultaneously, whether you know it or feel it or whatever, has to happen within the body. If your eye be single, Jesus said, your whole body will be filled with light. Now, every cell is already filled with light, but you're going to experience that, and you're going to be able to walk in that. So you see, everything within us is involved in this upward movement from a point of the earth, ignorance, to the point of the water, to the air, and to the fire. And it's gradual. It doesn't happen overnight. Now, look at verse 8, Exodus 16. And here we see a wonderful truth. We're going to get into the quail now. And I want to show you something about the quail. It says, And Moses said, This shall be, when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the full. So he's connecting the bread 
quail at night. Jump on down to verse 10. And it came to pass, Aaron spake unto the whole congregation of the children of Israel, and they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. Jump on down to verse 13. And it came to pass that at even, or in the evening, the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay round about the house. Now, what is this representing to us? Well, look what it says again in verse 8. It says, in the evening you're going to eat flesh, and in the morning you're going to eat bread. In other words, in the evening, in the darkness, because of the manna of truth that comes when the new day dawns in the morning, in the evening you're going to be able to eat quail or eat the flesh like Pac-Man. Oh, you didn't hear it yet. In the morning you're going to have the bread come up. And in the evening you're going to have the quail. So you're going to eat the bread. You're going to take in the bread. You know, Jesus said, I have meat to eat you know not of. He was talking about the bread of life. In the morning, the bread comes up. Now listen. And in the evening, when the sun goes down, you're going to have flesh to eat. So in other words, as a result of the bread that came up in the morning, the dawning of the new day, you're rising to the air now where you're taking no thought of the flesh. You're rising now in the dawning of the new day because of the bread. And the quail comes up, your flesh comes up, an appearance comes up, eyes come up, challenges come up, five senses come up, whatever it is in your life, an appearance realm comes up, and you're going to eat the flesh. Because of the bread, because of the bread that came out of heaven. And then what's going to happen? It's going to be that same cycle again. In the morning, the dawning of the new day, through that meditation, the bread is going to be brought up. You're going to receive the bread of life. You're going to experience Christ in you as you, revealing the truth, because bread is truth, and it's going to be what you need for when the quail comes up in the evening. And how many know in the evening when you're tired, that's when you're tempted the most? Yeah. Right? That's when you can get in a bad mood the quickest. Right? You know, you've heard people say, well, you know, when, when a child is sick sometimes in the evening, the temperature has a tendency to go up. Or their fever, not temperature, their fever has a tendency to go up in the evening. What is it about the evening? Someone said, well, you know, there's evil spirits. Do you know, I just found this out from a bishop doctor, uh, Bill Hanshield. I don't know if any of you have seen him. I'm going to be on his show March the 7th uh, on Facebook. But anyhow, he said, he was doing a study on spirits, and he talked about Jesus casting out, you know, evil spirits. And he said, the word spirits, if you do a word study, it'll take you back to the word mindsets. <laughs> Mindset. So here we have been for years thinking, you know, he cast out spirits and, and all this sort of thing. And he said that, and this guy has a, a, a world called World Bible College, so, you know, I, I think he, you know, knows what he's talking about. And I always felt that, and I taught, you know, around those you know, areas as well. But he's, and I never saw the mindset thing, but he said it literally means mindsets. So what are we talking about?
talking about here? We're not talking about bread falling from the sky, pumpernickel, pumpernickel, pump, pump, pumpernickel, or whole wheat, and whatever kind of bread you want to grab, and it's probably wrapped in cellophane with an expiration date. <laughs> huh? That's not what it's talking about. I mean, as I said, you can read several places in chapter 16, and it sounds like it was just something that came up on the ground. They had to take it and do something with it. So I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. But you see, I don't care about that. It doesn't matter a hoot to me. I want to know how it's happening within us now. I want to understand that I can experience in this life, not in the sweet mind lie, in this life, I can experience the very fullness of who I am. And you can experience in the lovely here and now the very fullness of who you is because you've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. You've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. You have no lack. You have the mind of Christ. You're bone of his bone. You're flesh of his flesh. You're the body of Christ. He's the head. You're the body. What more could we ask for? What more could we ask for? Now, so this is the story here in Exodus chapter 16. Now, let me say something else here. Jesus, in teaching the sower sows the seed, said in, I think it's Matthew 13 and Mark 4, is it? He likened the ground to the heart. And this tells us here, as you read this story, that this stuff, whatever it was, manna, which they had no clue because manna back then meant what is it? They had no clue what it was. But it, it came on the ground. And how many know the ground has to do with our heart awareness? But now listen here in verse 16. Listen to verse 16. Verse 16 says, this is the thing. See, the bread fell out of heaven. The truth is in our mind. And verse 16 says, this is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating. Now listen to this. And Omer, for every man according to the number of your persons, take ye every man for them which are in his tents. Now, Omer is one-tenth or ten percent. Isn't that interesting? Omer is one-tenth or ten percent. So in other words, when the bread comes from heaven, make sure that you allow that bread from heaven to consume the omer. <laughs> to consume the 10% that you use. In other words, bring the tithe. We talked about this before. Bring the tithe, bring it in, so it can be dealt with by the bread or by the spirit. That's what it's talking about. An omer is 10%. And 10% has to do with the left side. Now listen to verse, uh, verse 18. And when they did meet in with an omer, now listen to this. This is why you cannot interpret this literally. It'll screw you up. It'll mess you up. You'll be forever trying to figure this out and that out. It'll mess you up. Now listen to this, verse 18. And when they did meet in with an omer, he that gathered much had nothing over. Well, that doesn't make any good sense. And he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. In other words, everything that we receive or get in meditation is geared for you and I, and spirit within us knows exactly what we need 
and knows exactly it'll be met out, met out, put it over, to the degree that we relinquish this 10%, it's going to be met out to us. That's what it's saying there. Now, what else I hear in verse 18 is, don't put on someone else what the Spirit deals with you about. You see, that's what religion has done. Well, God told me I need to do this or not do that, so you shouldn't do this or not do that. You can't do that. Every man has his own walk and must hear from the Spirit on his own. But now something else, besides all that, something else jumped out at me with verse 18. And let me read it again. When they did meet it with an omer, they that had gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. Here's what I heard just this morning when I rolled out of bed about verse 18, because I think that in my sleep I was meditating on verse 18 all night. This is what I heard. If you gather much truth, there'll be no drawing from the left side. Okay? And if you gather little truth or manna, you're going to have a lot left over from the left side <laughs> that you're going to be drawing from. Then that's what I heard. See? So it's important for us to gather the manna, you see. In the, if it's on the ground, the ground of our heart, gather the manna, see. Bring it in on purpose. Bring it into our awareness. And you see, if you gather much truth, there's not going to be. There's going to be a lack of the drawing to the left side. If you gather little truth, little manna, you're going to have a lot left over here on the left side that you're going to be using. Doesn't that make a whole lot more spiritual sense than trying to figure this stuff out in a literal sense? But to move beyond the historicity of it and see, what is this saying to you and I? Now, look at verse 19. Here we find an interesting statement. And Moses said, verse 19, let no man leave all of it till the morning. In other words, take it all. <laughs> take it all. Eat it all. Don't leave out what my preacher doesn't believe. What my favorite speaker or pastor doesn't believe. Don't, no, take it all. And you know what? That's what I'm seeing today. And I'm seeing these young bucks, these millennials that are not paying any attention to what their former pastor said. And they're allowing the spirit to open them up and to reveal the truth unto them. So let no man leave all of it till the morning. Take it all. Verse 20. And then it says in verse 20, some of them, some of them left it. And listen, it bred worms and it stunk. It stank. <laughs> so what this is saying is we must continually take this within ourselves. See? And never stop the meditation. Don't be picky because if you're going to be picky, it's going to stinketh and it's going to be full of worms. In other words, it's going to be destroyed. See? So don't be picky. If you're picky, you're going to have stinking thinking. Right. That's what it says. It's going to stink it. See? So we have to eat it all. We must receive it all and pay no attention to what we believed about a certain thing that maybe the Spirit is trying to get through to us where this bread is concerned. Forget about the past and what we've been taught. Yeah. And listen, that is the hardest thing you'll ever do. Yeah. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do is to let go of all of those religious doctrines of man and tradition. Uh, the writer of Hebrews even said in chapter 6, I want you to grow up, and you're going to grow up by leading the principles of the doctrine of Christ in the list about six of them there. And remember, one was the doctrine of <coughs> baptisms. 
Leave the baptism of water. Doesn't mean it wasn't valid. It was. Leave the baptism of the Spirit. And I want you to come to the water that will wash your mind because you can get your head wet and still not have your mind wet with the truth or with the washing of the water of the Word. Now, verse 21. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating. Listen. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. Now, the sun here, S-U-N, is simply an allegorical suggestion because the energy, you know, the, the energy that flows from our solar plexus is also called solar fire. And so what this is saying is where it says they gather it every morning, every man according to his eating, and when the sun waxed hot, it melted. What that means is that that which is within you can cause that bread to melt, to be non-existent if we don't take it in the morning, if we don't take it when it's presented to us, it can be lost. Have you ever gotten up in the morning and, and you thought, you know, now, and I used to have a pen and a little pad beside my bed because the Lord gave me revelation all the time and I'd write it down because I knew I'd forget it by the morning. I don't anymore. I don't have a pen, I don't have a pad, I don't have anything because the Holy Spirit brings it to my remembrance. But there was a time when the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I would write it down just to make sure I wouldn't forget it. See? And so what this is saying here is where it says, when the sun waxed hot and melted, this is simply a, a suggestion to us that the physical solar fire, the passion from the solar plexus, the passion of the flesh is capable of destroying that bread once it's revealed to us. So in other words, we need to pay attention when the bread is being revealed to us. Don't lose it. If you have to write it down, fine. Whatever you have to do, don't lose it. Don't allow it to be melted within you by the physicalness of the left hemisphere or the flesh realm. Okay? Now look at verse 23. And he said unto them, This is that which the Lord hath said, Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Now, the Sabbath, we know, is the seventh day of rest. And as the energy rises from our solar plexus up to the sixth energy field, when it hits the seventh, that's when you enter into that Sabbath day of rest. And remember, on the sixth day, we read back a few verses back, on the sixth day, it was twice as much. And when this happens, you can take none of your own thoughts, you can take none of your own concepts, none of your own ideas, none of that can be taken into the Sabbath, day of rest. So what is it saying? It's saying when the energy rises up to the sixth, then there's twice as much, and you've entered into the Sabbath experientially. That was the rest that they had come into in the last verse of chapter 15, you see. But they still wanted to journey on because they knew that there was more. So all this is saying back here in verse 23 is that as, the, as we awaken and as the energy rises and it comes to the sixth energy field, then the seventh, which is the Sabbath day of rest, once it hits that seventh energy field, all the things that begin to happen usher you into a Sabbath day of rest and you experience a peace and a rest. 
you experience the land flowing with milk and honey. And it opens up that left hemisphere and you'll never be the same again. Never be the same again. Now, verses 23 and 24 state, Tomorrow is the rest of the Holy Sabbath. Bake that which ye will bake today, and seethe that ye will seethe. And that which remaineth over, lay up for you to be kept until the morning. Verse 24, And they laid it up until the morning. They laid it up until the morning as Moses bade, and it did not stink, neither was there any worm therein. And what that means is, at this point, when you experience that energy going up to the sixth and then to the seventh, that's that charisma that we talked about, that holy oil that flows then from the pineal to the pituitary that brings about all of the medicinal things that need to be done, not only in body, but also in mind. And you truly can say you have entered into the seventh day of God's rest or the Sabbath day of God's rest. Verse 25, And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today ye shall not find it in the fields. In other words, what you got yesterday, you better eat it up. You better eat it up. You better consume it into you, because you're not going to find it in the field. You're not going to find it in the field. Verse 26, In other words, let me read that again. Moses said, Eat that today. What you get today, eat. You see, and that's why I've said many times, I, I can't even remember a time holding back truth when I would minister. It would be hard for me to come here and have received revelation and say, oh, but they're not ready for it, so I better be careful. Oh, they might tar and feather me and send me out of town. You know why I don't say that? Because I'm not the true teacher. I'm not trying to draw you to myself. I am trying to draw you to him who abides and lives within you. Come on. So what I eat, everything that I get today, I eat today. Eat it up. You see? Right. And then I give it up. And then you know what happens? More comes. The more you give, the more comes in. All right? Now, eat that today, for today is the Sabbath and the Lord. Today you shall not find it in the field. So in other words, he just simply saying, those thoughts can be gone if you don't eat them, digest them, and allow the Holy Spirit to make them a reality within you. Right. Verse 26, six days you shall gather, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. So you see, that's the beautiful part of this. You work your way through this meditation, and as the energy rises up, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, then there is a doubling, and then what you reach when it hits the pineal and explodes the seeds in the pineal gland, flows through the pituitary, you have reached a climax, if I can say it that way, you've reached a climax of experience where you rest and you'll never be the same again. I truly believe there is a place that we are not coming to we're not coming to a place, but we're waking up to that place that we've always been. And as we fully and completely wake up to that place that we have always been, and the person that we be and have always been, as that takes place, then I believe there's a ceiling in that dimension, as Revelation talks about, and you go in and out no more. That's what it says in Revelation. People go in and out no more. There's a ceiling that takes place, and I firmly believe it's connected with the pineal and the pituitary, 
and the bursting forth and the exploding of the seeds in the pineal that caused this to open up, the right side to open up completely and totally, and you'll never be the same again. How many want that? I want that. I want to experience that, you see. Now, verse 27, And it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day for to gather, and they found none. Now, what does this mean? They went out to gather, and they found none. Well, I think at this point, it has become automatic. I think at this point, it has gotten itself down into the subconscious part. And it's just automatic. And it just becomes natural, and nothing can stop it. You have created a vacuum, and God within you as you doesn't like a vacuum. He always fills that vacuum with himself, with more of himself. And you come to the place now where this has just become an automatic. Can you see? If you're going to try to enjoy this literally, you're going to get messed up. Because this is allegorical. It's allegorical. So now look at verse 30. So the people rested on the seventh day. Meaning what? It's just now become a way of life. See, there's been a lot of things, you know, they say, and Bruce Lipton says this and some other guys that, you know, I have listened to say this, that the first seven years of your life, there's a whole lot of stuff, negative and some positive, but more negative than positive, that is put into your subconscious. And that's the thing that no matter what you do or say on a natural level from the left hemisphere side, the thing that automatically finds its way out into your life in manifestation is that which has been placed in the first seven years of your life in your subconscious. And what is a subconscious? Have you ever been driving down the road? I've done this many, many times when I'm daydreaming or talking to someone and I'm still driving and someone might later bring up, well, did you see this or that over there? Oh, I didn't see it because it was my subconscious that was driving, you see. So we want the subconscious to drop. Now, how can we change the negativity that's in the subconscious? By what we put in our awareness. Amen. By the bread that we eat. By the revelation from heaven. Amen. By the raining of the bread, the life from heaven. Amen. By the gradual awakening that's taking place. We can rewire or reprogram the subconscious. Amen. That's why it's so important for us to put the right thing into our awareness so that it can get down into the subconscious so that this becomes such a way of life. See, I think this is what it meant when Paul said he became all things to all men. You become all things to all men. You can come or go in, out, up, down, whatever it is, because this life now has become so spontaneous and such an automatic working within you because you reprogram the subconscious by what you put into the conscious or the awareness. So the people rested on the seventh day. Why? It became totally a way of life. Verse 33, And Moses said unto Aaron, Take a pot and put an omer full of manna therein and lay it before the Lord to be kept for your generations. In other words, if you're not going to do this for yourself, for God's sake, do it for your kids. Come on! If you're not going to do it for yourself, for goodness sake, do it for your grandkids or your great-grandkids. Do it for others. See? He's just talking about the importance of doing this. Look there in verse 36 now. Now an omer is the tenth part of an ephah. Haven't I been telling you that all the way through this message? Take an omer, take the 
the 10%, take that 10% and do what? Put it in the back seat. Bring it into the storehouse. Another way of saying that is, don't let it have first priority in your life. Get your focus on the bread here, coming from heaven within you. And then allow them, realize that this will get you nowhere in and of itself. Yes, we need intellect, but it needs to be subject to spirit. Yes, we need reasoning. You know, the Bible says, come, saith the Lord, let us reason together. What is that talking about? It's talking about the reasoning, you see. But that reasoning is not priority in your life. The reasoning has been submitted to the spirit. And what happens then is the two become one. And this then becomes not five outer senses, but five spiritual senses. Because the two then are married together as one. And that's what it says in verse 36, that the omer is the tenth part. It's the tenth part. So here we've come. We've come out of the water of bitterness. All of those things that we thought was the truth, but were really lies. We've come out of that. We've raised ourselves from the earth realm into the water. We've had the washing of the water, or you could say we've had the bread revealed from heaven to us. We've come to the air now to where we what? We can separate. See, the quail shows up, and we can separate the difference between what is God and what is just good. And because we can separate, what are we doing? We are now able to swallow up or eat up like Pac-Man, the quail, or the flesh, or the five senses. That's what he's talking about here. You know, people are trying to solve the problems of the world out there, and they can't even solve the problem of having a pineal gland. <laughs> they don't even know they have a pineal. And their pineal's in a sling. And if they would take the pineal out of the sling and do a little meditation, they'd exercise the pineal so it wouldn't just be sand. Most people's pineal is atrophied, and it's like sand. And what did Jesus say? Yeah. You know, don't build your house upon the sand, because when the storm comes, it's going to fall flat. Yeah. And most people don't even know they have a pineal. They want to solve the problems of the world. Listen, our body works in conjunction to our spirit. Nothing can happen in us spiritually as we awaken that doesn't happen in the earth the body realm, or the outer realm. It has to happen. They're one and the same. Hebrews chapter 4, I think it's verse 12, says the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. What is that talking about? That's talking about when we come up to the air, where we take no thought about the five physical senses, where we're absent from the body, if you will, and we take no thought from that dimension, living out of that dimension, having that dimension being a priority within our life, then what happens? We can suck up, if I can say that, like Pac-Man. We can eat the quail. We can eat up the flesh. We can eat up the five senses. That's what that's talking about. It's all we see in Exodus chapter 16. Forget about all the literalness, the historicity of it. I'm going for how it's happening within me. Yes. I want to experience what's happening within me. Yes. I want to awaken. I want the bread from heaven that will eat up the quail, the flesh at night. Yes. That will be able to
separate. Take no thought of the flesh. But you first have to, before you can eat that up, you have to take no thought of that and realize it's nothing. It's zero. It's nada. It's sushi for man whose breath is in his nostrils. And that breath in man's nostrils has to do with the five senses. Breathing, you know. No smell. <laughs> All of that. So let the bread come out of heaven. Let it rain bread on you. So that when the quail comes up in the evening, you're in the air, face to face. You're taking no thought. And when you take no thought, you're realizing that's nothing. And the bread can then swallow it up. Eat it up. And then the two can become one. They're married together. Amen. So that's the story of Exodus chapter 16. I did finish it. I didn't think I was going to finish it tonight. Because there's so much there. And there's so much you know, else we could have looked at, I'm sure. But uh, that's what I received in Exodus chapter 16. Now, you know, one of the things that I want to do, and I know this is going to be maybe empty for some people, I want to look at the Ten Commandments. And I'm going to call the Ten Commandments the Cosmic Big Ten. Because <laughs> it's in Exodus. And what I want us to see, because Jesus did not keep, in a legalistic sense, he did not keep those laws. Well, there's 613, some of them man added, you know, to, to, to the laws that, that Moses gave. But Jesus did not keep them. I mean, he picked corn on the Sabbath and he healed on the Sabbath. He wasn't supposed to do any of that. So he didn't keep them in a legalistic sense, but he fulfilled them by walking in the law of love. So I want us to see how the Ten Commandments will look for a people that will walk in the law of love. We're not going to look at them in a literal sense. Right. They're not to be taken. You know, they weren't given to us in the first place. The legalistic, the Ten Commandments were never given to us in the first place. But you know what? And Gary Garner used to say this all the time. You can read scriptures that's to them, but for us. We can still get something out of the cosmic Big Ten. And we can see how it looks for a people that are walking in love. Because when you're walking in love, and Jesus walked in love, and he fulfilled. But you know what? His love was shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. How do I know? The Bible tells me so. That's how I know. And see, and when I say the Bible, I'm talking about this book within, this book within, and then I go to this to confirm it. And it tells me so. It'll confirm everything that Spirit will give you. So how do the Ten Commandments look, the cosmic big ten, when we're walking in love? Well, I'll tell you how the first one looks. You want me to? Have no other gods before you. There's only one. There's only one. Oh, I'll give my glory to another. There is no other. <laughs> so when you're operating and functioning out of love, that's how we see the first one. Have no gods before you. What is it talking about? It's talking about us seeing our oneness in him. That we were never separate. That we were never a sinner. That we were never unholy. That we were always chosen and called and saved and one in him. That's having no other gods before you. Seeing your oneness. See? So when you're operating in love, see, that's how the cosmic big ten, number one, looks. Thank you, Father, for your word tonight. For your presence. Thank you for who you are in us, through us, as us. Thank you for the revelation, for the bread from heaven. And thank you that that bread of heaven, as it's quickened, causes us 
to eat up the flesh. In fact, it does it automatically and spontaneously. Thank you for these people here and the people that are watching via Facebook Live. We bless you and honor you. In the name of the Lord, amen. Amen. Any questions? Do we have any questions? Were there, uh, were there any questions that came across on the comment section? I didn't see any. Okay, then go ahead and turn it off. Thanks for watching.